broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Hello and welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you to the right people. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian McIntyre. I am delighted to be joined here in our virtual studio by two leaders in the realm of marketing and communication to talk about what we're seeing now, what's not working, what is working, and all things related to digital, traditional marketing, media, PR, and all the rest. With me is Eric Olson founder of Fast Turtle, and Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thanks, Adrian. Hello. Fast Turtle Digital is a longstanding leader in Arizona's market of digital, creative, and advertising business development type services. You do all kinds of things from search engine marketing to websites to SEO. Basically, your job is to align with your clients to help them get in front of their customers. And I do recall when you were originally on our show, you told me a fascinating story of how you started this company by going door to door uh, (laughs) back in the early days, 19 or 20 years ago, I think it was. Uh, I'm curious if you could just fast forward to the present amidst a global pandemic, amidst all kinds of challenges. What are businesses today doing to try to get that kind of awareness and attention? What are you seeing? Yeah, no, it's a, a great story. <laughs> Times definitely have changed, you know, being a budding entrepreneur back in those days. Um, we're seeing a lot. Really, it's the virtual door to door. It's the being on social media. It is making sure, you know, one of the big things that we're really focusing on, you know, for people that have been laid off, but also even, you know, established businesses that are really trying to get back in front of people is making sure your LinkedIn profile is complete. And meaning um, you've got a background image, your uh, profile image is up to date, uh, your total profile is complete as far as, uh, you know, on a business standpoint, even making sure that uh, your description, who you service, your service offerings, all of those things are in your, your profiles. And then um, with businesses that have sales for, you know, a, a true sales force that's out there, um, they can't do the traditional or they're not doing the traditional, you know, let's set up an appointment, give me half an hour, let me show you what you can do. It's really Zoom meetings now. So uh, even for salespeople and other staff is to make sure that they actually have their profiles complete. So social media has been a big part of getting branding and message uh, out there. Um as well as, you know, making sure your websites uh, are up to date. Um, the content is relevant. Uh, you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier um, before the, the show and making sure that, you know, your blog posts uh, are relevant to what's going on. And it's not just, you know, COVID related, uh, as we were talking about, but, um, but really talks about the services and what you can offer. Um, and as a small business, you know, being out there and we're getting a, a, a number of calls over the last couple months as things come back to the, you know, and I hate the phrase, the new normal, but um, a number of clients, their site might be four or five years old. 
Um, and even just, you know, people, you know, calling us that are finding us, you know, through, you know, Google or Ranking AZ, um, where they need to update their websites. They need to update images. They need to, you know, uh, have, when you do make that connection with someone, they're going to go to your website, make sure that it's mobile friendly, make sure you have those offerings. We'll come back and focus on some of those specific disciplines, areas that you're really working closely with clients on. But Abby Fink with HMA PR, I'd love to get your perspective. HMA is the oldest, longest running public relations firm in the Valley. You're celebrating your 40th year anniversary this year. And this is a year like no other. What have you been seeing with your clients and in the general community of PR and marketing professionals throughout the first four months of this protracted crisis? Right. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that, you know, last year at this time, we were anticipating our 40th year and we had events planned and programs and such, and then whammo, those all kind of went by the wayside. But what I think is, in kind of playing off of what, what Eric was saying, I think where we are seeing, you know, the that businesses took a, a, a hit at the beginning of all of this, and we were all forced to rethink what we were doing and, and pay attention to what was going on. Where could we make changes? What could we do to ensure that our businesses were going to be able to survive, right? We were going to have to figure out a way to continue. And I think what has happened is, as we're, we're getting settled into this a little bit, and we, we know that it's going to be for a little bit longer and we don't have a complete um, end in sight, we're looking at how we can reinvest now, reinvest back in our businesses, reinvest back in our, our um, staff and in the, in the marketing efforts that we're doing. And so things like taking a look at your your online profiles. Are your websites up to date and accurate? Are you doing everything you can to ensure that your business can be found? Because businesses are still going on, right? So we, we, we operate in that earned media environment primarily where we are working with our clients to tell their stories through media and other opportunities, the the earned opportunities, right? Those things that we aren't um, spending advertising dollars on. And what we're finding is all of these things play well together, right? We can do what we're doing to get a really nice story placed in the local newspaper or an interview on television, but they're going to start looking for that company then what does their website look like? Can I find them on Google? If the person that was interviewed, is their LinkedIn profile up to date? So there's an interplay with all of these different marketing strategies. And I think the smart businesses are really realizing that my business model one year ago does not look like it does today, but we still have a role in this community. And these are the, the ways that we can make sure that we're still relevant and that the people that we want to serve can find us and can find us successfully because there is a very short attention span out there. And if they can't find you quickly and can't find the answers that they're looking for, they're going to be off and gone into some other direction. So, you know, we, we're spending a lot of time talking about that and how to take advantage of these new these new opportunities and these new platforms, right? That you can't, you might not be able to go knocking on doors for new business, but you do have an opportunity to, um, to that virtual knocking on doors, right? We still have to stay in front of potential clients and let them know that, you know, what we're offering and, and how we can be of assistance to, to the communities we're trying to serve. Abby, one of the core skill sets of a PR communications professional is in the realm of crisis communications. And so often 
that's something nobody wants to imagine, but must necessarily be prepared for. And then when a crisis happens for a community or for a company, uh, you know, whether it's some sort of a disaster or whether it's some bad behavior of some kind that's creating awareness newly, uh, you know, of problems that need to be addressed. There's a typical, none of these are typical, but there, if you back out far enough, there's a typical way these things go. There's an initial moment of kind of white hot interest and attention. The 24-hour news cycle is talking about this endlessly. And then slowly over time, that fades away as hopefully things get better and or people move on to other stories. Uh, we've also lived through prolonged international issues, wars, conflicts, famines, disasters, where that news cycle is much, much longer. What we're facing here with the COVID-19 crisis globally is clearly not a short-term communication uh, spike, right? What are some of the unique dynamics of that? Uh, you have clients in a lot of different industries, uh, uh, nonprofits, differently situated throughout the state. Uh, what has dealing with this crisis on their behalf looked like to you? What, if, what have you had to do? And, and where are we at now in that kind of lifespan of a crisis? Well, you know, typically when a, when a, when a crisis occurs, something happens to a, a particular business, as you said, a bad behavior, a decision that goes awry, and it is very much focused on their, their uh, wheelhouse, right? It's, it's happening to their business. It's happening to their clients. They have to take care of it. This worldwide discussion is happening to all of us in all sorts of different ways. And so, you know, if if we are in a in a evolution of where this is going, I think the understanding that we are all impacted by this has finally hit home. There there, there is not a business out there now that is not dealing with the, the pandemic in some fashion. Some are right in it because they are in a, a service offering medical first responders or such that are dealing with it, specifically dealing with it. And then there are those of us that are around it where it's impacting us. And I think really what what we are advising and what we always would advise, whether we're talking about a global health crisis or you know a, a slip and fall in your warehouse, is recognize that it's happening look at how the impact is on your business and don't shy away from talking about it and figuring it out. It doesn't go away on its own. No crisis ever goes away on its own. It requires some kind of management. And the difference in today's environment, even from when I was, you know, been doing this work for a long time, it, it was a one-day news cycle. Typically, you'd, you'd make your statement, it would, it would air, it would be in the newspaper, it would go away. Today, with a 24-7 news cycle and with, with so much in the digital space, it doesn't go away. And we can find these things forever. And so you have to recognize that there is, there is what we're doing today and the impact that has on what's happening now. But what are we going to do tomorrow, a week from now, 10 days from now, a year from now, when this comes back around as the one year anniversary or the what are we doing now? And I think, again, that's where, you know, the things that we do in that more external face crowd facing environment and then what we're also doing on the back end from our, our, our digital footprint and how are we making sure that what we're saying will stand the test of time in things like Google searches and where people are finding us because it, you know, and, and I think Eric, we've talked about this in some of the work that, you know, we've shared together is that whatever we're doing here in my statement today, when I search that six months from now, will it still be relevant? And then how do we make sure that that still 
still is relevant and what do we do to update it if we need to. Mm-hmm. Eric, you serve a lot of clients at the small business or even micro business level and what this unfolding crisis must have looked like through their eyes uh, is, uh, is a unique thing altogether. I mean, there's the initial sense of either concern or denial. Uh, hopefully, this is no big deal. Maybe it'll blow over. Maybe it's not going to be as bad as we thought. Oh, maybe it is going to be as bad as we thought. Oh, no, maybe it's going to be worse. And, and and everyone, as as Abby and I have talked on numerous occasions uh, on the Arizona 100 podcast we do together, everyone has tried to navigate this as best they can in their own situation. But what are some of the pain points that you've seen the small and micro business owners trying to deal with, or, and and how is that different now, four months in, than maybe in those early days? I, I would say it, right in the beginning, it was it was always the you know all right let's let's see what's going on. That was probably in March when everybody was like all right how long is this going to really last? And then in April it was it was a lot of let's pull back, let's regroup. Um, you know whether it was uh, spins on marketing or whether it was you know certain projects we just you know website projects stopped uh, because people didn't know. And then, you know, call it the April or excuse me, May, June, uh, when things started to normalize, uh, people started to look at, OK, well, I really need to get uh, our ducks in a row and the traditional ways of generating, you know, business or, you know, meetings and sales and taking a prospect, you know, through your sales process is now all digital. So do we have, you know, a chat feature on our website? Do we have online forms? Do we have the different call to action and conversion points on the sites, uh, because that's how people are going to be able to communicate with us. And whether people are working remotely or, or not, uh, coming into the office and social distancing, they still need to be able to get the information. Um, as far as your, your sales staff and also production people. So, um, do you have the, uh, I, I guess the, the operations, uh, set up correctly? You know, good example. We work with a, a number of medical and, and doctor's offices. Uh, do we have Apple, um, patient forms online that are easily accessible, uh, can be easily filled out, whether it's on their phone, on a tablet, on, you know, the desktop, even, you know, a day before they go and see the doctor. Uh, because there's a lot of fear on that. Uh, the, you know, the less, um, personal contact I, I can have, the, you know, maybe the, the, the more of a, of a chance I'm not going to get COVID. Um, so operationally, we, we were able to, to go in and help a number of, uh, you know, practices like that or even, uh, uh, law offices to identify what are some of the operation stuff that we can, you know, make functionality work or uh, the websites work to, um, to really just, uh, help either your customers or speed up the process, you know, especially with people working remote. Uh, the other side, you know, from the sales side, again, it's how can you have your conversion points? You know, are people able to just click the number on the top of your website with a mobile device and talk to someone? Um, there's so many, you know, small businesses, micro businesses, like we talked about that they, they just don't have some of the, the basic elements, uh, that should be in a website, um, on there to, to expedite, uh, the communication process. And that, that was a big thing that we saw, 
you know, from the, from the beginning of, hey, this isn't a necessity. And then now here we are, you know, in July and it's like, all right, these it's not changing for another few months. Um, you know, we're we're all getting used to this. We need to make sure that everything's ramped up uh, so our business can survive, uh, so we can be a, a better resource for the community. Um, and those are things that we talk to our clients about all the time. And I think that's such a critical point there is this this accelerated a lot of what we thought we needed, but we weren't ready to do. And we we couldn't understand why we needed to do it, right? So, you know, there are wish lists that every business owner has. If, you know, if time were not an issue, if money were not an issue, these are the things that we were going to do. And time and money are still the issue. There's the, That hasn't changed, but our, our time and our money is being reallocated at this point. We, we're thinking differently. And, and you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is, you know, strategic planning and looking long-term and what's our three-year plan and our five-year plan. And that five-year plan is now the three-year plan. And the three-year plan is what we're implementing now because all of a sudden, you know, those that wish list became relevant and, and investing in those kinds of things means our businesses can be continue to be successful. Step that into then what you do from a marketing communications perspective. You now have more offering out there because what you what you were known as and you still can be known as now we can do these other things. And and that, of course, means marketing efforts and and promotional opportunities and and news stories and whatever it is that you know we we do to get that get the word out but the the reinvestment of the resources into your own business is i think is was one of the better things that has come out of this from a, a business perspective you know and and maybe that was the small businesses had the, you know, could move quicker on those types of things. There wasn't a big structure to have to run it up to a board of directors and, you know, all sorts of analysis. We could just look at it and say, yep, I'm doing this. And off we went. And, you know, the 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 clients that we're serving right now, I think, were able to move quickly and respond to the community need in whatever, you know, service line they were at, whether that was healthcare or restaurants or hospitality, whatever it was, and said, Okay, we can't do it the way we were, but this is how we can do it, and then move it along and, and make it happen. So, um, I I've been really encouraged by that kind of decision making, and that that it's it is very quick, but it's very thoughtful, and there's a lot of um, you know willingness to take a, a chance to make something new happen because right now is the, is what we need to do is is take some calculated risks and go out there and do some new things. Yeah, and and to that point, I, Adrian, sorry, one of the things that you you made me think about is when things did slow down and call it April, and and people got to look at it, it allowed a lot of our clients and a lot of the stories that we heard when we were talking to people is to look at their business and really simplify things as well. You know, what were we doing before that didn't make a lot of sense, or we were less profitable at? You know, really streamline your processes and and really. I think that those are some of the keys that we're going to see come out of some of the stronger companies that are out there to go, okay, you know, how did they, 
how did they streamline some of their business operations and and, and really become uh, that much more effective? And that was absolutely going to be my next question for both of you, because not only are you doing this work for your clients, but you're also leading your own agencies through this time. So what have you faced in terms of the necessity to streamline your own operations, rethink your ways of working, and then to innovate what you're offering uh, so that it really meets the needs of the market, Eric? Some of the things that we looked at were, were some of the services that we offer that um, maybe we just don't have that many people purchasing uh, or for some reason or another. And then we, we decided, is, is this something we want to continue doing? Um, or we look at profitability of certain services. So, um, we, you know, we're, we're looking at shedding a, a couple um, uh, different services uh, that we offer. But also, you know, the, to, to our point earlier, uh, we added uh, a service you know, and, and it came from a lot of our clients in the beginning of LinkedIn profile updates. And, you know, just going in for a low cost, you know, $95, uh, you know, one time we'll go in and, and clean up, uh, you know, the, the background images, uh, make sure that the profile is completely uh, up to date with, you know, where they went to school, the last couple jobs they had, really make that a little bit more robust, especially on the sales side. We, we deal a lot with um, SaaS companies, uh, as well as some other semiconductor manufacturing companies. And, you know, some of their executive management, they came to us and they said, listen, I haven't touched my LinkedIn in years. We set it up five years ago and it's just sitting there and they have the default LinkedIn background and all these other things. And they're like, now this is where you, when people look to, hey, we want to have a Zoom meeting with you, they're going to check that out. So those are the areas that, you know, needed improvement. And so we were able to, to, to move quickly, add that service, set up a process internally to get that done at a a reasonable rate. And so little things like that, uh, we, we've been able to make those adjustments. As someone, Eric, who lives primarily in this digital realm, has the shift to remote work, uh, to the extent that you've done that, been easy or difficult? Or is it just, you know, you, you were always on Slack anyway, so this is not that much different. What's it been like for you? So this has been, you know, uh, this has been very easy. I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, talk about how, how bad the, 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 you know, COVID has been for the environment for, but for us, um, we've been working in Zoom for, for years. And so, uh, we've constantly really tried to talk to our clients about, Hey, let's do a Zoom meeting. It saves us a half hour out to your business and a half hour back or, or something along those lines. So it, it has added a lot of flexibility, um, to, uh, to our, our, our work schedule. Um, it's something that we've been built for, uh, as an agency for a long time, especially with clients out of state. Uh, but even the local clients, um, you know, they're, they're more, um, uh, willing to, to jump on a Zoom meeting, uh, to, to just discuss, you know, ideas quickly versus, uh, you know, come out and let's, let's have a cup of coffee or, or, or you know, discuss different campaigns. Um, so it, it, it's really, um, put that in the forefront for us. I, I foresee that being uh, an advantage, uh, for us, uh, in the future, um, with our clients being able to, to service our clients even better, um, and, and being, uh, accessible, uh, through Zoom meetings, uh, quickly, uh, rather than looking at, oh, well, my calendar's full this week. Let's talk next week. Uh, if it's a 15 minute, you know, let's, let's just talk through it. And it's easier to have eye contact and, go through all the nonverbals, uh, it, it, it's really helped us um, uh, at, on a production level, even uh, on, a, on a sales level. 
Now, Abby, you, HMA Public Relations is certainly a digitally fluent agency, and your roots run much deeper into the traditional world of media and PR, where in-person, uh, face-to-face kind of co-presence was much more common. And you have a suite of offices with a team that's accustomed to working near each other. I know this because uh, the phx.fm studio is one of the rooms in your office suite. And uh, this has been a more dramatic change for you. How's that gone? And, and what are you thinking about it as far as your firm is concerned? Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, the the immediacy of it, I think, is what really um, made it difficult. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of time to say, OK, we're going to go virtual in a month, we had basically 24 hours. But you know, the the news was coming along, but we kept thinking we were okay. And then all of a sudden, we're like, yeah, maybe we need to be thinking a little bit differently. So it was, you know, pack up your stuff, and uh, we're going to figure out an online platform, and I'll see you, you know, on a on a Zoom call tomorrow. And um, so it it kind of forced this on us. Um, we were certainly understanding of it. We have done virtual meetings before. That wasn't, you know, completely unheard of. But to take our entire staff out of the comfort zone that we were in at our in our office and and put us into our homes and say, okay, we're going to have to do what we do and maintain a culture that is about relationships and face-to-face and being a part of a team. And so we've, we've spent a lot of time in making sure we're doing that because I, I'm with Eric. The, the, the time-saving that this has created has been amazing. You really don't realize how much time you spend in 30 minutes in the car, pull into the drive-thru to grab something to bring to the meeting, 20 minutes of, you know, kibitzing with the client, and then you have your meeting, and then you get on the car, and you get stuck in traffic, and you got to get gas. And before you know it, that 15-minute meeting is three and a half hours out of your day. And now you can, I mean, now I'm filling those three and a half hours with lots of more meetings, but they're more productive. But the the part that we've really wanted to make an investment in is is in that culture component because so much of that is about sitting and having those conversations and sharing a cup of coffee and catching up on what you did over the weekend and things. And so, you know, from a staff perspective, we're, we're meeting a couple times a week online. We're trying to do the things we would have done if we were sitting next to each other. Um, you know, some of the, the cultural things, you know, we, we, we are a, a dog friendly environment. You can bring the dog to work. Well, now the dogs are all part of the Zoom meetings, right? There's their cats or whatever, birds, whatever other. Um, and we're trying to make that same thing happen with our client meetings as well, that we're, we want to build in the opportunity um, or the, or the time frame to allow what we would have done if we were in person. So acknowledging that, you know, what we're seeing in their office or, you know, check in on the weekend or, you know, those kind of things. Um, and what we've seen from a, from the true business perspective is our, you know, our friends in the media have, ha- have also proven that they can function in a, in a virtual environment, right? You're now seeing newscasts happening from reporters, living rooms and dining rooms. And, and I, early on, I remember one of the reporters said, you know, we've been coming into your living rooms for how many ever years, and now we're letting you into ours. And, um, and they've shown that they can do it successfully. And again, they can create and have created um, more interview opportunities, more um, engagement with their viewers, because they're creating these virtual spaces. And so, 
I think there's, I, I try to look for the positives and what all this is. And I think that's going to be some of them. We've, we've shifted our time. We've made you better use of the time that we have. We've utilized um, platforms that have always been there, but just maybe not have been, you know, active. You know, now I, I, I have so many different platforms. I have to go back and double check which is the one we're using for this particular meeting. All the apps are on my phone and all the apps are on the laptop. But, um, you know, we, we now can conduct meetings and have face-to-face opportunities with anyone anywhere in the world. And that has expanded, you know, the reach for really any kind of business now to, to be able to do that. If you can figure out the time zones, you can have a meeting with anybody anywhere. And I still haven't figured out those time zones. Well, so. the time zones are especially tricky here in Arizona where we don't have daylight savings time. So half the year, mm-hmm. we're one time zone, half the year, we're the other. I've gotten in the habit over the years of just always putting everything in my calendar and manually setting the time zone for that meeting to the client's time zone so that it always shows up correctly no matter <laughs> where we're at. <laughs> Abby, uh, Eric mentioned some of the ways that Fast Turtle Digital is innovating, changing up some of their service offerings, c- cutting out some of the, the the less efficient things, offering new things at new price points, things of that nature. What does it look like at HMA? Have you had to in- innovate or adapt some of the services you're providing your clients? Sure. And, you know, I think where, where our innovation has come in is taking taking what we are known for and how does that adjust to the current environment, right? So we know that the, the vast majority of the work that we do involves reporters interviewing our clients. Well, we know that can't be face-to-face anymore. So where we would do media training and teach a client how to interact with a reporter sitting next to them in a, in a conference room. Now we're practicing in this online space, right? We're helping them know what equipment to purchase and how to maintain eye contact and do the same things in this virtual space. Um, we've, we've brought um, podcasting into our, um, into our sales presentations and, and offerings now because the clients now can control content in a way that they couldn't before. And so we've, we've provided opportunities for the clients to, to have their own news programming and, and, and look at that from a marketing perspective. Um, we're going back with, to some what you might call old school kinds of things, but um, you know there's so much um, that is happening virtually. Uh, we've got clients that are going back to you know doing a, a mailing, an actual put it in the mail with a stamp kind of mailing, right? Because people aren't getting that anymore. And they're, you know, and we, we aren't mailing to offices, we're mailing to homes. So there's a little bit different engagement there. Um, we're, we're looking at what we can do to enhance what you are already doing. Does your website need a refresh? What can we do about your social platforms? How are we using those differently? And a lot more um, thinking, uh, always thinking ahead, but a lot more forward thinking in terms of how can we provide a service to our clients that will help them be better at what they're doing six months from now, a year from now. And so, um, and, and then thinking about it from a, you know, the physicalness of it, you know, does it, does it require office space? Does it require that, you know, do we need to all be in one room together or can we be in one online room together and still, you know, be successful and do the work and, and ask those questions to our clients as well. How has the nature of eating your own cooking, in other words, marketing and selling your own services, uh, which is what, of course, you help 
clients do more effectively. Uh, how has that changed? It, you know, it seems to me that on the one hand, there's a there's a great deal of sensitivity that must be required. You don't want to come off completely tone deaf. Uh, you know, if you were if you were doing let's say restaurant PR right now and you were talking about it without recognizing the brutal reality that restaurants are actually facing, uh, that would be obviously a misstep. Um, how how do you go about communicating with potential clients when there's a great deal more opportunities for them and the nature of those opportunities is different, but yet you don't want to be the ambulance chaser kind of running around when they're concerned about budgets and pay- making payroll and all of those kinds of things. How do you handle that sensitivity, Eric? Well, um, I think that was that was really important in, in the early stages, uh, call it April and May. And, and a lot of our communication, which is typical, you know, emails going out, uh, prospecting, follow-up phone calls, we really slowed that down uh, because we knew, like ourselves, you know, it, it's time to, all right, put the pause button. Let's reassess where we're at, where we might be in the next couple months. Uh, you know, where, what does cash flow look like? And so we slowed that down, but we did increase our digital spend. So when people were looking for um, our services and if they're looking in April, great, you know, we want to be in front of them. So we actually put more money into uh, display advertising with the Google network, LinkedIn advertising, because everybody was now on there. So, um, you know, we, we put more uh, money into that paid medium uh, as well as even Facebook advertising. So you know, in Instagram. So those were the areas that we wanted to make sure our brand was still being seen. Um, we, we had some great articles in local, uh, periodicals, uh, here as well. Uh, so that, that, that was, you know, a great benefit, uh, to Fast Turtle. So those were the things that, that we really looked, uh, looked like, uh, or looked at and said, there, here's a way to be somewhat passive in our marketing efforts. But uh, but be in front of people to make sure that they're they're aware that our brand's still there. You know, shoot, we're we're on twenty years. We're we're almost up to you, Abby. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> um, but um, you know those were the things that we really focused on to say. All right, let's stay in front uh, of the people that we want to be in front of um, through some display advertising and social media posting and things. But always being very respective. Um, uh, on the, on the content that we're putting out. Uh, it wasn't salesy. It wasn't, Hey, you're a restaurant. We know things really stink right now. Send us money and we'll, you know, get your name out in front of everybody. It was like, all right, you know, how can we help? And, and to, one of the things and I just totally forgot between March and April and May, we gave away social media posting. So we talked to all the nonprofits we are currently working with, as well as anyone that we've worked with in the past. And we said, you know, come and talk to us. We're, we're here to help. And because I had staff that were at home, things might have slowed down. Certain projects were put on pause. And it's like, all right, how can we help the community that we serve? Um, so we, we looked at those companies. We actually went out to even our, our paying companies, cut prices. You know, how else can we help just um, keep your business afloat? And, and that was a big, uh, you know, for me, that's a, that's a big part of really just my core values and really the core values of Fast Turtle is because we've been in this community 20 years. Uh, you know, we, I, I hate to, to see small businesses suffer. And so it, it's a lot of, uh, you know, where else can we help, you know, get your message out? And, uh, and we did, you know, I think we did a pretty good job of that. Yeah. Abby, client relations and, 
and business development in the age of COVID. What are your thoughts? We had a kind of a two-prong approach. It was really important to us to make sure that our current book of business knew that we were there for them. And whatever that was going to look like, we wanted to make sure that they recognized that we we were there as a partner for them. And and how we were going to do that was going to matter by what the, the business itself was. So, you know, we, we, we did the stay-at-home order for our office on a Tuesday. And on Wednesday morning, all of our clients got an email and a follow-up phone call that said, here's what we're doing. This is what our office looks like now. We're at home, but here's how you find us. Here's all of our, you know, any phone number you needed to know how to find us, you could find us. And we are going to continue to do the work that we do for you in whatever that looks like. So however that was going to go, that was how it was going to go. And fortunately, we, we are, we saw no drop, you know, our clients realized what we could do. And, and we added value by being there in above and beyond what was initially expected. Because we're a long term agency in town, you know, our past client list is pretty extensive as well. And so we went and looked at our past client list and said, where can we be of service to them and then to their clients? So we offered um, an hour of consulting to any one of our past clients or on their behalf to one of their clients to what can we help you with? What are we seeing from a communications perspective? If you want us Here's the schedule, book it, we'll do an hour phone call. If it leads to something else, that's great. But we just want to, you know, get some advice out into the marketplace because like Eric, we need businesses to stay successful for all of us to continue to be successful. And so we aren't, um, we we don't do a lot of um advertising for our for our services. Most of what we do is word of mouth and you know, we 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 do what we can to be uh, thought leaders in our community and we write articles and we do interviews and we do some other things. So we kind of put ourselves in the client role and said, okay, what can we do to, to maximize our exposure in the marketplace? So we did a little bit more um, thought leadership in the community, um, a few more, you know, articles or speaking engagements and such like that. And, um, and then did some of the things that Eric is recommending, right? You know, what can we do to make sure that our team is engaged and our our social media platforms are are talking about the things that we do and as people are searching for our services, what you know, what will they find? And if if we are now four or five months into this and um, a, as things continue to shift, um, you know, we're not getting a, a ton of phone calls for that one hour consultancy, but. We're getting people that are still engaging with us. They're now um, asking for additional information. They're subscribing to our newsletter. They're listening to our podcast. So, you know, we we know that eventually down the line, we'll probably, you know, continue to hear from them and, and potentially see some some opportunities from them. But it was really, really important for us that that we we lived that that part of our culture, which is we're part of your team. And so it had to be, We've been saying this, we write it in our proposals, we, we believe it, we are it, but now we had an opportunity to truly demonstrate it. And as a result, we did and we are and we continue to be a part of all of our clients' teams. So I'll be grateful for that messaging and, um, and that our clients were willing, you know, to let us be a part of that, you know, through that more, for everyone, very difficult timeframe. 
Within a conversation about communications, marketing, and the media, there is, of course, much, much more going on than just the overwhelming level of attention being paid to the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, an election year, which is always especially frothy in the media, and frothy. of course, uh, other issues <laughs> like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement's return to a broad public awareness, although the movement's going, going on for seven years, issues related to Black and Indigenous rights, injustice, etc., et and a whole slew of international issues, trade, uh, there's a lot, right? This is this is a, a particularly um, turbulent time as far as the, the messaging, the communication, the the proliferation of opinions and points of view. Clients must have a variety of opinions about those sorts of things, but at least one of them has to be that there's a kind of a minefield here and they're, they're uncertain of exactly how to proceed. Regardless of what their point of view is on a variety of things, they want to do what they think is right. They want to communicate in the best way that they can. And so it's, it's by no means a neutral or passive activity to talk to them about their communication strategy. Abby, how are some of these broader issues uh, coming up in your work and in the work of HMA Public Relations? Well, I think the 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 re the word in that whole discussion that I, that I keep coming back to is integrity or authenticity. And so, you know, there is no doubt that these discussions are relevant and they are impacting all of, you know, sh and should be impacting our decisions. But I think what has to happen is you, it needs to be done with authenticity. So making a statement today is really not joining the movement or making an impact. It is responding to what's happening. More importantly would be what were we doing six months from now on that topic and what will we be doing six months from now? And that's what we need to be talking about. So the conversations that we've been having and, and this has been a um, a learning opportunity, I think, for all of us to, to you know, to, to think about these kinds of conversations and the actions that we're taking and how they will play out and our answers have been, in some cases, you're not ready to do this yet. You don't have in place what you need to have in place to make this decision and be and have it be sustainable. Now, doesn't mean it's wrong that you want to make it, but we need to look deeper into this discussion and, and talk about it. I, I do not want to have a statement or have a client go out and make this bold announcement and then three months from now, it's gone and it, it doesn't mean anything. Better that you don't say anything at all and get your, you know, get your plan in place and, and make that a very thoughtful and authentic activity. And that is a, that to me has been, you know, maybe for communications professionals, one of the most important lessons to have been learning during this time. So any one of those topics that you brought up, Black Lives Matters, any of the, you know, discussions around indigenous people. I mean, we've got a lot of, of culturally sensitive discussions is we need to have those discussions and we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to recognize that we may or may not have what we need to in place to really make a, an impact. And that's okay. 
And then when you realize that, what are you going to do if, if that's the direction you want to take to make those changes? And so, you know, we've we've said no to some things, you know, because it's not right. It's it's coming from the right place. They're they're definitely coming from the right place. But we might not be ready to to maintain that. And so uh, we're we're looking at how, you know, if that's our role, right, as a counselor and as an advisor is to tell them, nope, that's not really quite going to make it work. And that's not, you know, we can't in good consciousness tell you that's the appropriate action to take. And when you're a trusted partner, they listen to that and, and we reevaluate. Eric, I'm sure you would say the same thing. We certainly don't have all the answers and we don't, you know, we're learning as well on what we need to be doing as business owners and and how we're changing conversations. But um, as long as we're willing to have those conversations, I think that's where we start to make those changes. Yeah, I I would agree. And I, you know, you you kind of made the statement. We saw a lot of short term reactions uh, or at least requests for those. And I I like your approach because it was very similar to ours is, all right, what's your long term plan? (laughs) You know, it's great to be part of the conversation and it's good to, you know, you know, really be passionate about it. But all right, what does real change look like uh, for your organization or for you personally? And then, you know, how are you going to expand on that? To wrap this up on, on a bit more of a practical and tactical kind of note, although it's hard to give generic advice, uh, is there a few things that you would urge any business leader, uh, business owner, community leader, nonprofit leader uh, who is struggling? Uh, they, they're trying to navigate these times and whether it's connecting better with an audience or driving more awareness around their products and services so the business stays afloat, uh, fundraising, really anything at all. This is, of course, a huge question. I'm asking you for a few kind of top top line uh, tips here. What would you advise people to look at first, maybe first, second, and third, if they needed to do something, they know they've needed to do something, they're listening to us now and thinking, okay, now's the moment in time. What would there be? What would be their greatest uh, benefit to them to take on first, Eric? As you were talking, I'm thinking the first thing I would tell anyone is find a trusted advisor. Find find the people that are are really uh, the leaders in in their marketplace. Because one, if cash flows now a little bit tighter than than obviously what it was, uh, you know, first quarter. You're going to want to look, I don't care what size company you are. You could be a million dollar company. You could be a $10 million company. You still want to make sure whatever you're spending has the highest ROI possible. So definitely look at the leaders like HMA uh, here in town um, uh, and, and potentially Fast Turtle as well. Um, and, and, and really look at what you can measure. It's not all about just putting stuff out there and going, well, they said I need to be on social media. I'm going to start doing social media. It's, it's make sure you have the, the dashboards and the KPIs in place to look at this, whether it's, you know, weekly, monthly, uh, quarterly, and you have that, those advisors, those partners that are out there that are, that are having those open communications. Cause not every idea is a great idea. It, it's going to be one of those, Hey, 
let's pump the brakes a little bit because I think you should be playing in this, you know, medium, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, TV, radio, uh, you know, different periodicals, or we should be playing in digital in, in, in those things. And I think that's really important, uh, for, for customers to, again, we're in a, we're in a, position where things were going great. Everybody was, you know, doing well, typically as far as business. Now's a chance to slow down. Let's reevaluate and really put some, some strategy, uh, behind some of your marketing efforts. Yeah. Just because your 20 year old college student is now doing college from the next room instead of you know, across the country <laughs> does not necessarily mean they're the right person to turn to for strategic advice about your social media, even though yeah. they are living on TikTok now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Abby, what about you? Uh, kind of top tips, places to start for anyone who needs to get things going here. Sure. Well, I think the the number one thing for me is is recognizing that your marketing efforts are an investment in your business and you need to think of it as an investment and that that it, it needs to be nurtured the same way that you make an investment in the market, right? You need to put to, put the budget together and make that investment, bring smart people around you to help you make those decisions and you don't have to do everything right now, right? Pick the thing, as Eric said, that you can measure, that there there will be a return on that investment and be the best at that. And, and you don't have to do everything today. It will, it will come. And then when you make that investment in, in your business, in yourself, um, you will see the results of that. And have, have an opportunity to reevaluate as you're going along. So as you're seeing those successes and you're making those changes, what new things can we add to that mix? And, and that advice is relevant today. And it is what I would share with you if we were having this conversation outside of this um, current uh, world environment. But the, you know, the make it as an investment, think of it that way, give it the benefit of the time to be successful, and you will see it be successful. Excellent advice indeed. Uh, these are two of the trusted advisors here in the Phoenix area, but certainly their reach goes far beyond. Abby Fink is Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations, Eric Olson, Founder and Managing Principal of Fast Turtle Digital. Thank you both for joining us for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. For all of us here at phx.fm, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio. 